Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up the road, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Fresh new song. MJ Network will bring you there. This is Fran Lewis from freezing New York City. It's 24 degrees up here, (laughs) but we're going to have a fantastic show. The author of Murder is Forever, and he's going to talk about my favorite topic, diamonds and jewelry. And Rob Bates Mm -hmm. is here. Good morning, and welcome to the Network. This is so cool. Thank you. So tell us about your background in the Diamond District, and how come you decided to focus on that? I'm so glad you did. Um, in your novel. So um, my day job, um, which I currently have, is I I write for a trade publication about Mm. diamonds and jewelry, and I've been doing it for about 30 years. And I got started, actually my grandfather was a diamond dealer, and Mm. uh, he died before I graduated college. But uh, when when I graduated, I was looking for a job, and uh, there was a guy who had a diamond industry newsletter, so I told him that I grew up in the business and I knew all about the business because, you know, my grandfather and stuff like that. It was total BS. I knew nothing about it. But um, I ended up, uh, you know, I worked for him, and then I've, I've worked for uh, another publication, and this is now the third publication I've been with, and I've been there for 20 years or so. And um, it's a, it's a, I mean, it's a really interesting industry. It's gone through enormous changes just in the time I've been there, and it keeps mm. changing all the time, you know, to keep up with different consumer uh, demands, different legal demands, different you know, mm. structural issues it, it's gone through. So um, it's been very interesting. Uh, you know, one person once described it like uh, the Roach Motel, you check in, you don't check out. You know, you... Um, it tends to be people who are there for for a long time for life, but if you think of like I, so I first really started in it when I was like twenty five, twenty six, mm-hmm. and now I'm a little little older than that. But I know people who knew me in my mid twenties, and I, I mean to me that's that's amazing. So um, uh, as far as the book, uh, you know, I've always had uh, some kind of creative outlet, and I always thought that I could kind of <laughs> leverage the knowledge and the stories and the, mm-hmm. and everything I know into a, a decent uh, mystery novel. So this is my uh, first attempt at that. It's set in the Diamond District. It has a mm-hmm. lot of uh, intrigue. And, uh, I'm, you know, I, I think a lot of people find it a very mysterious industry. A lot of um, – <clears throat> there's a lot of, I, I would say um, – I don't know, Mom. You know, there's, there's, uh, there's definitely certain misconceptions about it. There's certain uh, a mystery about it. You know, it's it's a very insular industry in that it's so security conscious. People tend to take to keep to themselves. So mm. it, it's something I think there's a lot of curiosity about. Um, certainly, some of the um, 
you know, the it's it's dominated by religious Jews and Hasidic Jews and Indians and I, you know, there's um, <clears throat> those are cultures that you know not everyone is exposed to on a regular basis. So it's basically about you know just trying to give some insight into it. And it, if I guess the message is that it's you know it's and I think this is probably a cliche. It's you know that these are all regular human beings and there's you know it's an industry like any other and there's good parts to it and there's bad parts to it and um we're just trying to make sure uh you know one of my jobs as a journalist and to some extent you know as a novelist is to make sure that the the good outweighs the bad and that uh people find that's what made this this novel fun because it was more credible because you actually are in the diamond industry so tell us about Amy. And her relationship with her father, Max, wasn't exactly the happiest relationship. They're, they're unique. Yeah, I mean, you know what, uh, I, should, I should know that um, uh, though the characters are not like the actual people, um, Mimi was my mother's name. Uh, my mother's no longer alive, but that, so the character's named after her. And my grandfather, who was a diamond dealer, um, uh, was named Max. So... Um, the characters are both named after him, them. I mean, I think it's it's an interesting relationship in that, you know, the two people, and perhaps in a way mm-hmm. it parallels my story, that they're, they're kind of thrown together, that, you know, Mimi is a reporter and, uh, you know, journalist and looking for a job. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, is having trouble because it's a tough job market out there, and she ends up working for her father, and her father's more religious, and she's not religious, so that's kind of... Uh, source of tension in the back in the background there. You know, her father's very old world, stuck in his ways, and um, he's obviously much younger and, and has a different perspective on things. So um, they don't necessarily get along, and they're they're thrown together. And when I say it kind of parallels my journey in that, you know, when I graduated and had the opportunity to to work for a um, diamond industry. <laughs> publication, I was like, well, why would I want to do, you know, that's going backwards, you know, it's something that's in my history, it's not, you know, it's not, but, I, you know, I have found it very interesting, and, you know, especially as it evolves, and uh, I think that's, you know, uh, certainly by the end of the book, that's one of the things she's thinking about is how to bring uh, her father's mm. business forward and the overall industry forward. So they have a bit of a contentious relationship, but I think there's obviously, there's clear love and and um, there and protectiveness there, and I, I hope I got that through. And um, you know, like like a lot of siblings, I mean, you know, it's not easy to uh, you know late in life to all of a sudden have to work for your dad. You know, it's tell me not, about it. It's, uh, it's not an easy situation. I I, I wouldn't think so. Um, uh, I think it's a lot of a lot of the issues there. You know, I think. Uh, Certainly, when I was um, younger and I had to go home, you know, even I, I would be like 30 years old, and I, I would feel myself kind of like falling into the same old patterns with my with my parents, yeah. and that you know it, it regresses you in, in a weird way. So um, uh, that's kind of one of the things I wanted to kind of look at, you know, how uh, how she dealt with that kind of unique situation. Well, my dad owned a cleaning store on 225th of Laconia, and on every Saturday morning and Sunday, that's where I was. 
even though he's going for education mm-hmm. as an educator, you ha- from 10 years old, I had to work. If you wanted money for your allowance, you worked on Saturday in the office, in the, in the store, no matter what he wanted you yeah. to do. Now, I have to ask this question because right. I was looking through the book. I, I be, wouldn't be me if I didn't ask this. There's a difference between lab-grown diamonds, synthetic, and natural, right? And they said that lab-grown diamonds are, le- are less. Synthetic, I know, are not real. And natural are the ones that you want, right? So I just want to make sure no, I got that uh, yeah. right. I love this. Uh, so this is so cool. Um, uh, so synthetic is, there's a lot of uh, confusion about that. Um, synthetic mm-hmm. is actually the same as lab-grown, but um, because it's synthesized, they call it synthetic. So now they tend not to mm-hmm. use that word because a lot of people think it is as fake. So uh, a synthetic diamond, ideally, uh, though a lot of people, there's a lot of um, misrepresentation on the Internet, a synthetic diamond is a lab-grown diamond, which is considered a quote-unquote real diamond just grown by another means, um, a simulant uh, is a cubic zirconia. That's something that's totally fake. It's glass. It's usually not worth, you know, a lot of money. It's worth uh, sometimes mm. pennies. So those are the those are the totally fakes. So you have simulants, which are totally fakes. You have lab growns or synthetics. Mm. Again, synthetics are a, are a term people tend not to use so much. But um, lab grown, which is a diamond that's grown in the lab, and then you have natural, which are the ones that come from the earth. Yeah, come from the mind. That's what I want. So we have Hannah, <laughs> who I like. She works in receptions, and she's engaged to Yosef, a diamond dealer. But their relationship yeah. is odd. Why does he stall and not say it's about time we got married? That's so sad. Well, I think, I mean, you know, that's one of the things that kind of is revealed in the book. Uh, yeah. I think he wants to prove himself and uh, in business and, uh, I guess, one of the things that kind of sets the plot in motion is the way he uh, mm. try not to spoil anything, but the way he does uh, try to um, prove himself uh, ends up getting himself into into. I would say it ends up setting the plot in motion. Let's put it that way. And uh, because he buys this big pink diamond um, that um, he thinks is a great deal, but it turns out it might not be as as nice as everybody thought. So that's that's kind of one of the. Uh, things that uh that they deal with is that you know mm. she is um she is very uh you know she wants to get married and they clearly love each other and care about each other and mm-hmm. um you know he's he's under pressure uh from certain people to uh to be successful okay so this is my favorite thing here part of the story I, lo- I yeah. love pink diamonds. I I have a yellow one. Yellow diamond. Well, mm-hmm. He wants to sell the pink diamond, but the value is suspect. So why does Mac think that it's worthless? And he they say it's worth $4 million. Of course, there's a way to tell. There's definitely a way to tell. Yeah. I know that. But how did, mm-hmm. why did you uh, – I, I love diamonds that are not the same color. Pink. Why pink? And is it uh, diamonds like yellow, pink diamonds, and color, diamonds that are not – you know the normal equality, uh, sort of like clear diamonds. Are they worth more? Yeah, they are worth more. I mean, I mean, it's yeah, good to get a nice one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they can't. I mean, they're really rare. And you know, there's there's even rare, which is blue diamonds and rare diamonds. I mean, these things look just incredibly, incredibly beautiful. Rare. There's blue diamonds, yellow diamonds, uh, green diamonds, very rare purple diamonds. 
Oh, nice. Blue diamond. Um, and, I mean, some of these things are the most spectacular diamonds you'll ever see. Um, and uh, they're very rare. And one of the things that's actually interesting about lab-grown diamonds is that, you know, so to, to get a blue diamond, you have to have a certain kind of concentration of forces underneath the earth that, mm. that give it that color, right? And or pink or or red or any mm. of these kind of exotic colors. You need, you need to have the kind of right conditions in the earth's mantle to to make it that way. And mm. one of the things that's cool about lab-grown diamonds is that they can do that above ground, so they can make any color that they want. So all of a sudden, something like, like a pink diamond, which was you know something that's very rare and only the kind of um, elite, you know, could have, you know, now, now they're selling them for like, you know, $800 a carat and they're readily available. God, wow. make them in a lab. So, so that's nice, um, that, that, that exists and that's happening. So, um, but, uh, as far as the pink natural diamonds, I mean, you know, there's, there's certain ways to, to value. And I mean, I think one of the things that is, is interesting is and this is one of the things that that becomes a big deal in the book is that mm. uh you know certain you know if it gets one grade versus another you know the there's a huge difference in values right just depends on 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 what the what the grading laboratory says is that's why you have to have a reputable yeah. person so if if you have to have a reputable institution and you know and if there's a problem there then you have a huge issue so that's uh, one of the things that that talked just that's perhaps uh, without spoiling it uh, looked at in the book. Yeah, it is. It's it's interesting. You see, the minute the minute you talk about colors and diamonds, you know, you go into a jewelry store, they don't usually tell you that they have those diamonds. I just happen to find the one yeah, that I'm very, that I'm wearing, but they don't usually tell you they have yeah. them, which is rare. Yeah, well, maybe they save them. And they're very expensive. So. The other part is Yosef gets murdered. I'm so sad. They try to fight his attacker, yeah. and then you included, which I know a lot about, the traditions, the religious death, and traditions during Shiva, of which when my father yeah. and my mother died, I had to do them strictly, whatever. So how come yes. you included that, which which makes it makes it more credible? What did I, I mean, you know, obviously because I wanted to to say how it would be. And, um, I mean, they're very interesting traditions. And, you know, I yeah. come from um, uh, a reformed background, right? So the way we Orthodox do Shiva here. <laughs> is, is very different than the way the very religious do Shiva. And, you know, when I've gone to the very religious Shivas, yeah. I, I find it very different, you know, that you really have to sit on these chairs, which are uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. you, you know, you have to, you know, there are a lot of stricter, you know, like if you have a um, a kind of modern Jewish one or a reformed Jewish one, it's, you know, people just bring over food and it's, you know, it's, 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 it's not that structured as perhaps, you know, the, the way the very religious do it is very, is extremely strict and has a lot of guidelines and it's, it's mm-hmm. tough, and I kind of wanted to portray that because you don't you don't see that that often. And even even you know somebody growing up in the Jewish religion, I I really was kind of a little surprised by um, by how strict it was. So yeah, I wanted to kind of portray that. And you know, I, I think you, I, I think you know, I mean, you know, people read historical fiction and all this stuff. I mean, I think a, a good 
mystery novel, you know, Mm -hmm. helps educate you about a different world, right? And I think it's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this was to kind of educate people about different worlds and to give them a glimpse. And, you know, I was, you know, I'm still very nervous that I may have gotten a tradition or two wrong, but I think I, I, from what I understand, I got them all right. But, um, you know, I, I wanted to kind of give a glimpse into into the into the world you know into into a very different world that 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 not a lot of people understand or mm-hmm. you know or you know appreciate and you know and you know just to give them some some insight um so that was that was kind of one of the reasons and i think people people you know are interested in that because you know not you know it, it's funny because you know at the end i put this kind of yiddish glossary of terms mm-hmm. And that was something my editor recommended, and I was like, "Well, I don't. Do I need to do that? Like, I mean, but you know, you 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 forget as somebody who lives in New York, just how you know, you know, this is all part of our lives, but um, it's not necessarily uh, the whole world. So I, I'm tr- I'm just trying to give some insight into a to a culture that's 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 very different. And of course, you know, the bottom line is that you know, even though people may choose to live their lives in a different way or choose to believe different things, you know. Everybody has their struggles. Everybody has feelings, and you know, there's good people and and bad people, and that's you know, I I, I think that's a you know, it's an important uh, message to to get across, um, especially you know, with this country so divided and well, stuff. So um, that's uh, I a, that's interesting. Sorry. I had to sit on the I had to sit on the chair for a week, seven days, mm-hmm. then I had to yeah. walk around the block seven times, for real. And no, covered the mirrors and everything. My guy was yeah, yeah. my parents orthodox, let me tell you. <laughs> so let's the chairs talk about, were very uh, the chairs were uncomfortable. Yeah, I, was was like, well, I was like, Well, this is not easy. So I just you know, when my mother said you gotta do it, my grandfather said do it, there was no choice. So talk about yeah, the yeah, rabbi. Yeah. And David Gartstein, and why didn't they want Mimi to write the article that Yosef was murdered? They were really upset with that. Um, I think there's a certain, and um, it's obviously, you know, something I took into account when I published the book. You know, I I think there's a a certain, uh, you know, image consciousness, you know, people are worried about, especially in the diamond industry, which is, you know, had mm-hmm. certain image problems over the years. You know, people are very worried how things come across to the outside world, and they don't necessarily want uh, their bad, you know, that the fact that, that things go wrong, which, of course, they do, uh, like they go in and everything. You know, just, it's just a, it's just very in, image conscious. So, And it's part of, the I think, the general um, insularity that I think, you know, people want to kind of keep it in the family, and they don't necessarily want these things to be, to be talked about with the, with the wider world. And uh, that obviously comes into a conflict with Mimi, who's a journalist and, uh, you know, the kind of the, the mm-hmm. de facto um, kind of mode of a journalist is, you know, transparency and bringing out in the open. And that's certainly something that, that I believe in, that, you know, um, uh, that, that you, you help to solve your problems by, you know, talking about them in, a, in an open way. So, um yeah, I think that's just kind of the de facto thing that, you know, you still certainly see that in the trade. You know, I think, you know, people were nervous when I said, hey, I'm writing a mystery novel. I mean, not that it's, 
you know, become a huge bestseller or anything, but I think, you know, people are nervous about how their industry appears to the world. And, you know, and I, and personally, I don't think this is a negative book because I don't necessarily have a, have a negative view of the industry. I mean, I think it's a, mm-hmm. it's a fine industry with a lot of good people in it and a, a really nice product. But um, I think, uh, I think people do get nervous about how their industry is portrayed and, you know, there are companies that use that as a marketing tool. We're better than diamonds or we're better than this or we're better than that. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that does make, you know, that those were circumstances that I dealt with, like, oh, don't write about this, oh, don't, don't, it's negative, don't, don't, don't put this in, don't, you know. And I, I think it's not, you know, to me it's, I think that mentality is actually kind of faded away a little bit because I think people realize, first of all, you can't stop the the free flow of information, especially now. But, um, you know, I think there's, you know, sometimes it's good to say, you know, hey, we're not perfect. You know, we might be religious or, or any of this goes for any religious groups, but, you know, we're going to, you know, we're, we're people who sin like every other group, you know, and this goes for any religion, any denomination. I mean, I think, you know, I think there's, there's kind of a, um, you know, we talk a lot about family, you know, and it's it's the idea of like the family and you know, family take care of each other. And one of the one of the ideas about a family taking care of each other is that you know, like the family is is a, you know kind of uh, put over other people, right? So it's like we 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 care for each other more than we care for other people, which makes sense. That's what a family is all about, right? And you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of exploring that idea, like you know, groups become a family, and how do you like how do you deal with your responsibilities to each other and at the same time deal with your responsibilities to the larger world? I don't know if I'm just rambling, but those are thoughts I get at three in the morning sometimes, I guess. That is, that is so interesting. Now, you know, <laughs> yeah. like in everything else, there's a cartel. So we've got Bernard, and why don't you explain to Mimi about the cartel and who is Paul? Okay, so Bernard, I mean um, – so the diamond industry, so this is one of the things that's, that's been very different is that, I mean, it's no secret that for a long time, uh, you know, those one company who controlled virtually all the world's kind of rough diamonds, which are the diamonds that come out of the mine, and they were the ones who gave everybody, you know, the beers, they gave each other the, the great advertising, everybody remembers the diamonds forever. And, you know, a lot of people think that the industry still works that way, that there's still a cartel behind it um that's changed a lot i mean the beers used to have when i started it used to have 80 to 90 percent of the market and it was i mean it was an intimidating company and it ruled the entire industry in this kind of you know extremely uh forceful way um and now it has about you know i think i think about a third of the market and it's just it's just a different situation um, and it is, it's not what it was, and there's a lot of other players. So the, the, the diamond market has changed. It's become a lot more open, and um, that's I think that's good. I mean, I think that's that's been a, a positive sign. I mean, you know, I think the, the the it's made the value of diamonds fluctuate a little bit, perhaps more than, than they would have uh, otherwise. But overall, I mean, I think the industry has been able to kind of maintain consumer demand to – to, to mo- mostly, uh, not completely. And um, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, again, I think this was something that was, that was, it worked for a long time and it was no longer legally tenable after a while. 
And Bernard was is uh, the character, the brother of Joseph, uh, who's also Mimi's cousin. And uh, yeah, he's kind of like he's one of you know. There's a lot of people who are kind of her guides to the industry. He's he's one of them, and he kind of um, I did, you, you know, he does as you mentioned. He has a speech about about some of the background of the industry, and I didn't mm-hmm. necessarily need to put that stuff in there, but I thought it was important for people who are curious to kind of get a kind of brief capsule in this, you know, uh, summary of uh, people who, you know, hadn't, who didn't understand the industry to kind of, to kind of get a sense of how it, how it has changed. I mean, the, I've, I've gotten a lot of good feedback from the industry and from my mm-hmm. book and a lot of people in the industry have read, have bought the book, but, you know, I'd, I'd obviously like to go for a wider audience too. So, um, I did want to kind of explain a little bit about how things have changed, uh, you know. And I, I didn't, I didn't necessarily talk a lot about some of the social industry issues the mm-hmm. industry has has dealt with. But you know, that, those those are I'm kind of saving for the for the next book. So, well, tell us about USGR grading and inventor named Larry and why his death was <laughs> odd. I like that guy. Um, oh, sorry. You know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it. You know, there's a. No. Let's just say there's a lot of people who you know are. Uh, he's kind of uh, the one of the moles, uh, one of the people who kind of helped. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mimi on her way, on her path to to solving the the mystery, um, and uh, he was a fun character to write. He's really wild and, um, you know, a little conspiratorial, but. Um, you know, also I think also in a way a kind of a, a sad character as you as you go to meet him. I mean, I think he's he's one of these guys who's um, you know talks very big on a message board and is you know uses his position on a and you see you see this all the time. You know, people who 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 you know talk <clears throat> in a big mm-hmm. way on a message board and then you meet them and they're like you know they're just normal people. I mean, I think. You know, the online, you know, gives you ability to kind of uh, shape a persona or to adopt a persona that's not necessarily uh, reflective of of exactly who you are. And I think that's uh, one of the cases here. So, you know, I wanted to talk, you know, there's a lot of things, uh, a lot of of things on my mind. And, you know, I I think the book touches on, you know, in addition to Diamonds, which obviously are a majority of the book, you know, we talk about religion, we talk a little bit about the journalism business. Uh, we talk a lot about New York City, which is where I live, and I, I know that you live, and you know it's, it's something that you know I feel very connected to. Um, and uh, I just kind of wanted to, you know, kind of throw a lot of the things I've been thinking about, and I've experienced, and I've I've seen in the book. So, um, you know, which is so. There's a lot a lot of the things that I've kind of been interested in are are, are here are are in the book and. Um, for those of you that don't know the Yiddish words, because I do, what really helped was glossary <laughs> in the back of the book. No, it really did. Yeah. No, because I, my grandfather, my grandfather spoke Yiddish. My grandmother did, but you know, my mother mm-hmm. did also. My brother, my brother and I spoke Hebrew at a time when we didn't want anybody to understand what we were saying. And um, mm-hmm. it's really great because people get to understand what the words mean, even though you define them. And they're but yeah. my favorite word is still Ive. I love that. Yeah. Whenever, whenever people yeah, that's what, enjoyed, what can I say? <laughs> I was surprised because people said they enjoyed reading the uh, yeah. the glossary 
just as a as as they just found it fun to read. So um, I'm gonna for the next book, I'm definitely gonna expand it a lot. So um, that was not something I Mimi... expected. Yeah, yep, I like Mimi because she's a lot like me. She doesn't give up until she gets what she wants. So why did Mimi yeah. and Hannah have a falling out? Now Hannah int- Hannah int- Hannah insisted that Mimi find Yusuf's murder, and yet she told her yeah. she didn't want her to do it. Why did they have a falling out? I mean, really. Well, I mean, she was I just think doing what she wanted. Of, right. I think it's just some of the things that's going on, you know, on behind the scenes, and I, I, I think, um, uh, I mean, you know, I'm trying not to spoil it here, um, but. Uh, I would say that, you know, I, I, let, let's just say, I mean, I think that, that you know, as I've conceived her and I hope that she comes across, I mean, like Hannah's very young and, you know, she's lived uh, kind of a sheltered life and um, she's put in this horrible position that no, you know, you know, to lose a fiance so young, you know, no person should ever, you know, it, it, it's terrible, what, you know, and, you know, the way she deals with it is, you know, you know, obviously she's, she gets very emotional at times. And um, she's the one who brings Mimi into the murder. And um, at some point, you know, I think, you you know, I mean, I think uh, as a character and uh, uh, people have had, I would say there's there's been makeup, but, you know, Mimi, to me, this is realistic. And that's why I wanted to write the character this way. But, you know, Mimi, you know, she makes mistakes and she screws up and she sometimes says the wrong thing. And um, I know that uh, that's, uh, you know, not everybody like that, but uh, to me, that's natural. I mean, you know, that's, you know, I've been doing what I do for 30 years. So, I mean, I think I, I know it pretty well and yet I screw up and say stupid things and make, you know, it's just part of life to me. So to me, it was just natural that somebody who's, kind of being thrown into the situation where she's investigating the murder would, would uh, make mistakes. And she does, she, you know, she definitely has some, some ones that, that, that make you cringe. I mean, I, you know, I think I, I try to make it funny and, and enjoyable and relatable. And um, I think Hannah's reacting to that, you know, I think, you know, and I, again, I think everybody's very emotional. I mean, I think they, there's a huge trauma uh, lurking in the background. So without spoiling it, oh, I, mean, I know I, I'm listening. I can I can hear something. So what happens when she faces <laughs> off with Garstein, and he reveals his yeah. true colors? Mm, not good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not good. He's not uh, he's not a good character. But you know, I mean, I what I try to do, and again, uh, people can debate. You know, you know, I, I did try to make them all give them all a certain humanity and, and uh, make everybody not all good or all bad. And, you well, you know, can't, um, yeah. Yeah, and, I, I, you know, I think even him, he's just, uh, you know, he's kind of uh, <clears throat> a certain kind of person who reaches a certain kind of level who gets a big ego and, and you know, and you see it all the time. And even for people who who kind of have these very kind of very small Sometimes, you know, you, you really definitely see, you know, egos get out of control and stuff like that. So that was one of the things I've, I've seen and, you know, that I wanted to portray, you know, that somebody who, mm-hmm. who has a minor role, sometimes like the, the power, of the, you know, people get, get, get crazy with, with power, you know, and you, you try not to. Mm-hmm. Well, so, that, this mean, is think, very true. I think one of the this things, is, yeah. This is very true. And mm-hmm. the other thing is, this is so important. I mean, really, people get diamonds appraised, right? 
and people yeah. use the grading system. So in the diamond industry, how much of what you wrote and the grading system is fact or fiction? And this is really what got me. Well, I couldn't put the book down, people. Do dealers actually upgrade a diamond? And what about the original appraisals? Because only the person that's dealing really knows, basically, or should know, what the diamond is worth. So can they say that the diamond is worth $20,000 when it's really worth ten? But how would and the person that doesn't know diamonds, they wouldn't know, would they? So the idea is that, you know, for a long time, I think the thing is you need somebody to be independent, whether it's an independent grading lab or mm-hmm. an independent appraiser, um, because you know some of the some of the the differences in grades are 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 highly technical, and you need to look in the microscope, and you can't necessarily see them. And you know the these differences make huge differences in value, and it's I I think it's one of the reasons that. Um, sometimes the the industry is so kind of confusing to people is because you you have these huge differences of values based on differences in grades that you know not necessarily people can see so i mean it's it's important to go to an independent uh grading lab mm-hmm. um yeah. or independent appraiser you know just make sure that you have somebody who you trust uh who can look at it and uh the issue in this book is you know what happens when the, the person who you're supposed to trust um, you know, when, when there's kind of a breakdown in the system, which certainly happens, you yeah. know, I mean, you know, heard about, you know, and it, it happens in everything, you know, building inspectors get bribed, food inspectors get bribed. So, they, I mean, you know, these kind of things, it's like what happens when the person who's supposed to be neutral, who, who everybody trusts, what happens when there's a, when there's a breakdown there? And that's, you know, that's a, that's, that could be a huge problem. So, um, you know, it's, it's basically making sure you go to people that you trust and uh you, you know if something seems this we we always say you know if something seems too good to be true it is you know it is i mean one of the things that is good about the stage is that you can go on any you know you can go to any of the major jewelry sites and diamond sites and take a look mm-hmm. at what the kind of going prices are so if something is like so out of whack from that, you have to say, well, why is that price out of whack? And I think that's that's basically the issue. Well, I usually get things appraised in more than one place. Also, I learned something. Yeah. Um, always, always make sure that you're right there when they're appraising it. You don't give it to them to take in the back. One of the teachers in my school learned the hard way when her husband wanted a divorce and she went to get the ring appraised. And when they went to steam yeah. it, it melted. It was glass. She had no idea. It was, yeah. it was it was yeah. heartbreaking. So, I mean, it was, you know, that this... was heartbreaking. She had no idea. She had the appraisal and everything, and obviously he changed did change the stone or something. And when she went to get the money for it, she got I think whatever the the setting was in. I don't even know if it was if it was platinum or gold or just plain sterling silver or something else. That, that you have to mm-hmm. you know you have to be really yeah. I mean I think that. I think it's important to to. Uh, to to shop around and to get more than one opinion, you know, just like yeah. a doctor, you would get more than one opinion, or or sometimes with a lawyer, you would get more than one opinion. I mean, I think it's it's very important, you know, that this is such a highly specialized and and technical field. It's important to to get different uh, to get opinions and to make sure that you're dealing with somebody who has a good reputation and that you know is recommended and that you who you trust. And you know, I, you know, one of the one of the things. So for a year, I worked for a toy industry publication, 
right? And I thought that'd be really cool because, you know, toys, you know, who doesn't love toys? But it turned out to be kind of not so great because it was all big companies. It was all these, mm. you know, Hasbro and Mattel. And I think at one point they were even going to merge. And, you know, when I did it, Toys R Us was big and then Walmart became big. And like, so there was no, there was nothing, um, it wasn't a lot of small businesses. And, you know, I think that's what I, what I still enjoy about the industry and it's, it's, it's way, way less than it was. And that's unfortunate. And one of the things that, you know, the book talks about is this, you know, the father's struggle to maintain his, his uh, small business. Um, But um, one of the things that we, that, that I like about the industry is that it is a lot of small, still mom and pops and small businesses and stuff like that. So, um, I think that's that's good, and I think it's healthy for the industry. So, why does Mimi decide to pursue Paul, even though, well, we know what he did, but that's beside the point. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, uh, why does she? I mean, I think she likes him, you know, and I think they they get along, and I think they have a they have a long history, and uh, I mean, again, one of the things I think I, I look at in the book is that you know you we all try to kind of reinvent ourselves as, as adults, but your, your history is so behind you, you know, you never kind of really escape it and it's, it's part of you. And I think she's trying to kind of reinvent herself. And yet at the same time, she's very much, you know, she's very, um, Mm. you know, the past is very much a part of her and her experiences are very much a part of her. And uh, she, you know, I think that that she kind of comes to terms with that. So that's the that's the little romance in the book. Uh, maybe yeah, Paul well, yes, comes it, yeah. out. Yeah, and I think he's a fun character. I think he's he's funny and you know self-deprecating and and stuff like that. And uh, you know, he knew her as as a child, and then they kind of. Uh, you know, and he remembered, she remembered him as kind of like this pimply faced little kid. And then they kind of grew up and, you know, uh, things became uh, very different. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I think that, you know, she, you know, I, I think there's, uh, you know, it, it's hard to do chemistry on a, on a page, right? Because, you know, you can't, yeah. but, uh, I tried to give them a little, uh, as much chemistry as I could. That's, that's interesting, but there are a lot of people that had a lot of secrets in this book. There's Tanner, Paul, Bernard, Gostein, yeah. and others. How does Mimi handle the deceptions? Why does she promise never to hurt her family when she wants to write an article? And is she going to get back in journalism? Because she's really good, but then, you know, doing this detective work is a lot more exciting, even though it's dangerous, seriously. Yeah. Um, you know, I think this is, uh, as someone who's a journalist, I mean, I think this is something that you deal with is that, you know, the the kind of ethos of your profession are all about putting it out there and telling the truth always. And, you know, you it, it, it's about kind of complete uh, transparency and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it, like I believe in all those things. Those are good things. And I think those are those are good values. And I think those are ultimately lead to, to better outcomes. But yeah, there are some things that you, that, you know, I haven't printed to, to spare people's feelings. Um, so I think that's one of the things she deals with that, you know, that this is not, you know, she's trying to write an article about this, right. Or she, she set out, she's set out to, 
to write an article about this. And, you know, it involves people that she cares about and uh, people that she loves. And, you know, like the question is, like, what are her responsibilities to, you know, we always talk about in journalism responsibilities to the, to the reader to, to, to be as honest as possible. But she also feels responsibility to her family. And I think that's one of the things she deals with in the book is how does she kind of balance the two and responsibilities to her friends. And, you know, I mean, I think those, these are things that, that she's really has a, has a tough time with is that uh, kind of the professional ethics of her field and, you know, her, also her personal ambition because she by the end has a great, amazing story that she knows she can make a lot of, uh, money ad and she could, you know, it would, mm. it would do well to, to help her career. But uh, in the end, you know, is it worth kind of, you know, hurting people? And I think that's one of the things that she kind of grapples with. And, uh, you know, whether she returns to journalism, you know, I mean, I think that uh, will, uh, uh, you know, obviously uh, I think she's going to continue to be, to be involved in mysteries because that's the kind of convention of the, of the genre. Um, but uh, we'll see. I mean, I, you know, I think she's, uh, there'll, there'll definitely be, you know, plenty more books set in this with her and with these characters and in this area. And uh, so I do think that she'll continue to investigate and to continue to, uh, to look into uh, all the stuff that's going on. Well, before I forget, I don't want to forget yes. to remind everybody. Yeah. As a matter of fact, the author herself reminded me, I didn't forget, the author of Winter Witness is coming on Wednesday. And on Monday, the author, mm-hmm. I never do three in a week, but next week is, I have to do this. We have The Gates of Avalon on Monday. And on Wednesday, we have mm-hmm. a very famous publicist, Paul S. Marks. He's going to talk about uh, The Blues Don't Care. It's a really good series. And on fr- Thursday, this is a truly in honor, Iris and Roy Johansson. Ask for an interview with me for a uh, blink of an eye. That is rare. She does mm-hmm. not do interviews, but she does them with me because cool. I let her choose what she wants to answer. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. I send her the questions, and then they choose what they want to answer. What they don't want to answer, perfectly fine. And on February yeah. 10th, I'm doing a very special show honoring men and women in blue with three detectives from different states. And on the 24th, at the end of the month, I'm not going to tell everybody everything because I want everybody to listen, um, Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child will be here with Scorpion's Tale. Um, this has been like a whirlwind for me, really. It's great that all these people want it. But my, if anybody has anything coming out in June, that's the next date. I just booked the last one in May with Minister Sam Oliver. We're going to talk about faith and hope on May 26th at 8 in the morning. So... And you cool. never know what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah, I finally uh, realized, I'll be yeah, there. I, I have a lot of fun, and I get, you know, I don't like to do the same thing over and over again. So mm-hmm. we're going to have Trinity House Entertainment is going to do their new song on March 15th at 5:30, and he's coming on then. And Pastor Michael is going to talk about uh, his new book on March 22nd. And, of course, all the other authors that are coming. And John Gilstrap just did something for June for his book, Crimson Phoenix. It's like all the way till the end of June. And Tess Gerenson is going to end my June with her book with Gary Braver, Choose Me. And I take off to relax and do something. So, And hopefully by then I'll get to see somebody, but who knows. So when Mimi finally realizes the truth 
about the double grading for mm-hmm. the pink diamond. We're not going to say who the killer is. How does she deal with that? That is really scary. Um, I think she just tries to figure out who did it and who's behind it and mm-hmm. uh, what, where it all kind of uh, uh, plays into the larger scheme of uh, of uh, the the murder that took place. You know, it's uh, it's uh, you know there've been a couple of instances like this in the in the industry. Fortunately, not not lately, mm-hmm. but. Um, uh, uh, you know, it's just a matter of uh, her kind of figuring out how it all how it all works out, um, and that's the that's the fun of the mystery. You know, it's uh, it's uh, it was it took me a long time to figure out how to do it and how to approach it, and who the characters were. But um, I think you know most people find it a a, a, a quick read, which I, which I'm I'm really happy about. Um, and uh, fun, enjoyable read. I try to make it funny. I try to make it suspenseful. And I, you know, I um, one of you know one of my favorite reviews said it was heartfelt. And I, because I do, I I really did try to put a little, I you know I I did try to put a little you know heart into it. I mean these are I mean these are all kind of industries I care about and people I care about and you know uh, a city I care about and. Uh, you know, profession journalism I care about, and the diamond industry, which I you know know for years, and I I, I I certainly care about the industry and care a lot about a lot of the people in the industry, um, not everybody, but uh, certainly a lot of people in the industry I really um, are, are some of the nicest people I've ever met. So um, I, you know, and I I care about the traditions of of you know small business mm. and of uh, New York and of you know local New York neighborhoods. And the idea of, of, of people getting together. So I hope well, that we're kind New of comes through. Don't world. even worry about that. Isn't that what the governor keeps yeah, telling we're us? Tough, we're New York tough. We're, we're okay. We're nice sometimes. We are. Depends. Yeah. When we need to. I know. We're New York smart too. Don't ever tell anybody even try to yeah, think that yeah, or yeah. not. So mm-hmm. why not go? She didn't, won't go to the police because they don't believe her. How come? I wanted to smack him in the head. I got really annoyed because oh, here she's true. telling you something to make you look good. You look like a bunch of whatevers because they're not listening to her. How come? They didn't believe her. Well, I think she. Uh, I, I think it's probably the way that she comes across. Um, yeah, again, without is. spoiling it, I think it's, it's probably the way that she comes across, and that you know she, you know, um, I think in a way I was kind of having a little fun with the convention. You know, if you think about the whole idea of a amateur detective, is you know it's. It's it's bizarre, right? Because you know most can't, you know, even though a lot of people, I guess, on the internet now kind of are are amateur sleuths. You know, I think it's it's pretty uncommon for for somebody to actually, you know, go and and solve a, a mystery. So, um, you know, certainly when I've uh, talked to uh, to police officers, I don't think they're thrilled with like, hey, I uh, you know I got, I got this uh, crazy idea. You know, I mean, I think they they like tips, obviously, but they don't necessarily want uh, every uh, Tom, Dick, and Harry uh, screwing around on the internet trying to solve a case. So um, I think that was perhaps part of the dynamic. But yeah, in the end, uh, you know, I think she she triumphs and she's and I mean I think that's you know if you look at it, you know, most of the people she deals with are men and men in position of power. And in the first half of the book, they kind of uh, you know are able to kind of get one over on her and, and, and make her look, make her feel stupid and stuff like that. And by the end, you know, it, it, it's her who kind of ends up triumphing and, you know, 
saving their <laughs> either saving them or um uh you know getting her revenge or you know I, I mean i think in the end you know she kind of outsmarts them all because they you know she's so nervous and and uh at times she gets a little easily flustered and i think they they kind of take advantage of her but in the end i think she kind of perseveres and, and figures out and uh triumphs so um in that way, uh, you know, <clears throat> I, I think she's more of a realistic heroine, and I think that, you know, because she's a she's a woman, I think that uh, some of the characters kind of underestimate her, including the police officer and including some of the people you mentioned, Garcin and, and some of the others, and uh, in the end, and Tanner. And, and I think in the end, you know, she manages to, to, to do what she needs to do to, to figure it out. So uh, I think it's, it's, it's her her spirit, I think also the fact that mm-hmm. um, she's someone with a, uh, a, a strong moral core who, and that, that animates her a lot. And that's one of the reasons why she kind of, she's able to kind of keep going under what's uh, occasionally very difficult circumstances. Well, I would be remiss if I didn't say this because, you know, I love diamonds. But there's a way to tell the, the value of them. So before we talk about what's next and what's next for Mimi and the rest of it, because I'm not giving away the ending, people, you got to read the book. Especially the mm-hmm. title, A Murder is Forever. Just think about that. The four C's, mm-hmm. cut, clarity, color, and carrot weight. That's how yeah. you tell whether a diamond is real. Could you explain that? Because my mother taught me that. That's how I know all those words. <laughs> well. Um, I mean, the, there's again, and you know, whether you, you know, it's there are four ways to determine a diamond's value. One is carat, which is the obvious. It's how much it weighs, and then on how well it's cut, and the color, which is the lack of color basically, and clarity, which is you know how many flaws are in it. And you know, it, it, one of the weird things is that. Different markets prefer different kinds of diamonds. Like in the Asian market, they they tend to like it very. They they want it. They don't like a lot of flaws because it's considered quote unquote pure to have to not have flaws. Um, some people obviously, you know, are big on size. Some people really kind of uh, get the color. You know, I mean, when, when people shop for diamonds, one of the things I always recommend and. I think most people in the industry recommend is that, you know, you can get, you can get very caught up with these numbers and the the color and the clarity and all the grades. But really, I mean, what really makes a difference is if you look at it and you think it's a nice, beautiful diamond. And really the the, the idea is that you want, uh, and, you know, unfortunately with COVID, you can't necessarily do this all the time, but you want something that, that really looks good to your eyes because, you know, nobody, you know, you look at the diamonds and, you know, most people don't don't necessarily see all the grades behind it, but they they you just look at it and you see if it's if it's nice if it if it quote unquote speaks to you does it does it look nice you know and I think that's really what's important. I mean, a beautiful diamond mm-hmm. is is an amazing thing you know and the way the way it yeah. kind of reflects light and stuff like that. So that's those are really the the important things you know and you can kind of talk a lot. Of, I mean, there's, there's so many factors and you know. You know is it lab grown? Is it this? Is it, you know, G or H? I mean, the most important thing is, you know, does, do you like it? Is it beautiful? I know. 
they're, they're, you just walk into a store and you're just like, oh my god, they're so beautiful. But there's one, yeah. one. I went into one uh, place. I won't say where. And the guy they showed me several diamonds, and I was able to pick out the one that was cubic zirconium. It bothered him. Something. No, well, there you go. <laughs> you probably. I don't know if I would be able to, but uh, I actually you, you know, figured it out. Zirconium is nice, but no diamonds are a million times. There's no. There's no. Uh, you know. Um, the the stone you, was you can, too big. The film is too yeah. big to be for real. And I'm looking at it and going, that, that's definitely not real. And then he showed me the same yeah. thing. My dad bought me, um, and I'm so aggravated, I went to an urgent care one day last month, and my my sapphire ring, it's a synthetic sapphire, but it's a high-quality one, and it fell, and somebody took it. So when I called to say I lost it, wow, somebody took it. And it bothers me, yeah. And I, I don't know what ring, I have small fingers, so I don't even know what ring size to replace it. But the ending mm-hmm. leaves us wondering... If Mimi's going to remain in the diamond business, or is she going to go into journalism, or is she going to remain and going to solve another murder? And if so, what's next for her, and what's next for you? Well, so she'll definitely solve another murder because, of course, it's a mystery series, so she has to. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we'll see exactly where her career goes. Um, there's a quote in the book which I always like. It's that, um, and you kind of brought it up, is that like diamonds are all. Uh, Diamonds are like people in that everyone is unique, mm-hmm. but their flaws are what makes them interesting, you know. And that's really <clears> – certainly <throat> when you write a book, um, <clears throat> you look at the flaws of the people. That's that's one of the things that, that makes them interesting as characters. Um, so, yeah, the ne- there's going to be a second book. <clears throat> I, was, I was very lucky. So the first one is titled The Murder is Forever. That's a play on the Diamonds Forever, which is the kind of – big slogan of the of the industry uh the second one is called murder is not a girl's best friend and that's obviously um uh takes off from uh diamonds are a girl's best friend which is another one of the big slogans i'm still mm, trying to figure one of my out favorite what, songs it, yeah <laughs> i'm still trying to figure out what i'm gonna do for the third one but uh i'm not sure right now but um uh it's just a matter of uh, we'll we'll just have to see. I mean, um, uh, yeah. So the next book it involves, I, I think, you know, some of the issues in Africa that the industry has dealt with, and some of the kind of reform efforts to um, bring the industry kind of <clears throat> to um, uh, involve some of the the people in the at the very beginning of the chain, which are the diamond miners, and to to help them and to you know, make sure mm-hmm. that um, diamonds uh, benefit and beneficiate the uh, the countries that they come from, which I think is has been a, certainly something that the industry has been concerned with uh, for the last 20 years, and certainly is a big move on part of the industry. And there's been a lot of progress made, still a long ways to go, but that's something that you know certainly as a, as a publication and as a journalist, that's something that, mm-hmm. that we definitely push and. It's something that's not as easy as one would think. You know, it's not just you can't just wave a magic mm-hmm. wand and and do it. So it's kind of going to going to be looking at those issues, um, and uh, you know, it's based on talking. You know, my all my years talking to people in development, and you know, I've been to Africa, I've been to Diamond Mines, I've talked to all sorts of people and also all ends of the chain, and it's basically dealing with that aspect of it. And so that's okay, the second book end, coming up. And I'm, uh, I'm, the I'm second writing book. it What's now. the title of the second book? What's the title of the second one? The Murder, Murder is Not a Girl's Best Friend. And uh, that should oh, be coming nice. out, I think, I think next year. Um, 
and uh, you know, or or later this year. And uh, I'm excited about it. I'm running now. It's uh, I, I think it's good. It's kind of stressing me out, but I think that's pretty normal. But and uh, I'm fun. There's some fun scenes. Um, the the themes are perhaps a little bit more serious at times uh, than the first book, but I think I think it's a lot of fun too. And I hope the I hope people find the first book fun, and I hope they find it educational. And uh, I'm always interested in feedback, especially from people who don't know me. You know, I mean, you know, the people who know well, me. Then you're gonna read my review. It's on it's on Facebook. Right. It's on good. Twi- it's on Twitter. It's on LinkedIn. It's on Josh Reviews. That's my review site. Oh yeah, and it happens to be on Amazon with five stars. I just want to tell you that. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, yeah, dude. I don't know. I haven't been giving five stars, people. I've been giving four to a lot of people that are famous. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, I haven't been yeah. seriously. I haven't been giving five to Larry many, a lot of people because sometimes you just write something and I'm going like, why am I getting root canal while I'm reading the book? Uh, I did read yeah. Don't Look for Me by Wendy Walker this week, and I read that was what I read yesterday in Grimson Felix by uh, John Gilstrap, and John just wants a show in June. And I hope that when your book comes out, you're going to do another tour with Cheryl, otherwise, and you have to send it to me and print people because I have to read it. Okay. Di- Diamonds are my, like my favorite thing, <laughs> to everything. But I want to thank you so much. And before, at, when right, I end every you. show, this is very important to me, and I've been doing it. Some people, oh, I, before I forget, oh my God, I fuck, almost forgot. That would not be good. Robbie? Happy birthday. Today's my nephew's eighth birthday. He's eight. He's in second grade. And he's a lot like me because he likes to read, likes to write book reviews, even though he's eight. And he likes to do um, sharks and deep sea diving and history and all that stuff. So happy birthday, Robbie. And I love you. And I how, hope you how like what spell, I sent you. Know, you know, that was my name as a kid, Robbie. Yeah, see what I'm saying? Yeah, see, how can I say? I took the right show to do it on. <laughs> Yeah, today's the, his eighth birthday, and, and I'm so proud of him. My, uh, I have a seven-year-old. I don't know yeah. if you, I don't know if you could hear in the background my seven-year-old. He's in second grade also. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, he likes to read too. And his name is Mikey. And uh, that, is, that is so cool. Uh, I, I went to but, Bobby for for years, and then I changed it. I'm gonna tell him you said happy birthday. He's so cool, this kid. He, happy he called, birthday he called to him. me this morning. He called me this morning so tell I could actually wish him happy birthday. And um. Before I forget, I say this at the end of every single show. Just one small ask. Be smart. When you go outside, make sure you wear a mask. And you'll protect you, and I'll protect me. And be New York smart and New York tough like us. Wear a mask. And Mm -hmm. I know it's inconvenient, and my chin doesn't love one. Let me tell you, my chin doesn't like the mask. But you know what? That's too bad. You need to do it Mm -hmm. in order to make sure that you're protected. I've protected tested 16 times for different reasons, not because I had it, but because other people did, and I got lucky. I've been negative every time, including yesterday, so be smart. Rob, thank you so very much. Can, can I get my website? Tell, please tell everybody my where website? we can find you. Uh, RobBatesAuthor.com, and you can see my bald head there, and uh, I agree, wear a mask, and, uh, you know, yep. once you're used to it, it's no big deal. It really isn't. As a matter of fact, the good part about wearing the mask is I don't have to put on lip gloss. No, seriously. There you go. And, I, and you know when it's cold, my, it helps. I save a lot on my Milani. It's great. And besides, I, I, you know, it's better this way. <laughs> no, really. 
Yeah, I just don't have to wear one when I'm doing the show. It's good. I don't have to wear that when I do a show. I could do it right from my computer in my home. But everybody, mm-hmm. have a great day. Everybody stay warm. Uh, it's freezing. And just in case you don't remember, I'm sure you know, we're going to get a snowstorm tomorrow, people, which we really don't want. But we're going to win anyway. But everybody have a great day. Stay safe. And bye. Take care. Bye. <laughs>